Hello, this is Dr. Beverly Wright, and thank you for listening to Tag Data Talk, sponsored by Emory Continuing Education and hosted by Dr. Beverly Wright. Tag Data Talk covers topics on the current state and future outlook of analytics and data science using an interview format with professionals and academics to discuss use cases, future trends, talent and skills, organizational structures, tool advancements, and other topics related to data science. Thanks for listening. Hello, this is Dr. Beverly Wright, and thanks for joining Tag Data Talk. With us today, we have Greg Jones, Chief Data Officer at Carpe Data, and we're talking about forming effective business analytics partnerships. Thanks for joining us, Greg. Thanks for having me. Awesome. And uh, I noticed you took your motorcycle here, so I know at least one reason why you're so cool, but tell us why else you're so cool. Well, I like to think that I'm so cool because I'll pet your dog, I'll walk your cat, I'll run with you, drink with you, drink a beer with you. Basically, I'll be your best friend. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So tell us about your background. So my background is has mainly been in financial services, and I've recently gone and switched over to the insure tech space. I've always sat within a data and analytics perspective, although I'm not trained as a data analyst um, through my education. I went to school and undergrad at Wilmington College in Delaware, Mm -hmm. and then I have an MBA uh, from Georgia Tech. Nice. Okay. I've heard of that school once or twice. Very cool. And you were in financial services and now you're in the insurance. What do you do at Carpe Data? So as the chief data officer, I'm accountable for driving the data strategy and the data supply pipeline, where we make sure that all of the data that we're collecting, we bring in, we standardize it, normalize it, and we clean it up so that when the data scientists of our customers get it, it's clean, it's trustworthy, and they can build the models that are going to be predictive for their customers. Fancy. I love it. Um, and we're, we're talking about business analytics partnerships, meaning partnerships between the business and partnerships between analytics. So before we talk too much about how to form these uh, awesome partnerships, let's define what do we mean by the business and what do we mean by analytics groups? That's a great question. I think one of the things we have to do first is we have to define the term analytics. Mm -hmm. Before I came on, I looked up the, the definition on Wikipedia and a bunch of things. I'm not going to bore anybody with um, that whole definition, but it's about a page long. Boring. It's exciting. It is exciting. (laughs) However, I think that it's long and it's somewhat ambiguous even in the the definitions. Ah. And if you look at all of the different um, examples that come out, if you Google this, you can see that there's discrepancies. Um, the basics is is that, um, according to Wikipedia, that is, is that it's a combination and the application of statistics, computer programming, and operations research to quantify performance. I like to even simplify it a little bit further, and I like to think of analytics groups as they like to they are in the business of helping people and businesses make better decisions based on data. Mm-hmm. And so I think once you define that term of analytics, you can then flip over and you can say, now, how do I define the business? And defining the business, I really like to look at that is the business is analytics customer. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, that's almost enough. Really? Interesting. Okay. So you see the business as an analytics customer and that um, regardless of um, what that context is or what kind of problem they're solving or or what kind of groups we're looking at or verticals we're talking about, as long as they're receiving support for their decision-making using data from those teams and they're considered a a business customer. I think so. Okay. 
Okay, cool. I, I can't think of a time that that's not true, but that's interesting. I've never thought about it that way. Why are these um, partnerships so important? I mean, one group has a job to do, another group has another job to do. Why they got to be all partnery? Well, if I think about some of the use cases of where I see a su success and then also the opposite, and I'll mm -hmm. start with the opposite because mm -hmm. those are a little more glorious. If a business person, the person that's maybe accountable for the health and strategy of a business, asks an at requests from an analytics group um, a to create a new model to predict some sort of factor, the analytics resource, the analytics team, if they don't understand what the business is actually trying to accomplish, then they may go off and they may build an incorrect model, or they may predict something that is not quite in the context of what the business is asking for. Mm. And so the partnership, the big part of the partnership is really about creating that trust and breaking down what I like to think of as the pride or the hero complex between those two organizations. And so having a true partnership where there's trust in, in, there's trust in between the business and the analytics professionals, it's a group of things that have to happen. And so I'll go back to the customer performer relationship that mm -hmm. I talked about before. So if you think about the business as the customer and analytics as the performer or the 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 person doing the work or the group doing the work, mm -hmm. providing a product to the business, you could have a business person that asks for something and doesn't provide any context because it's not always that the business is right or doing the right thing. Many times that's not really the way it works. But the business, the business or the business person asks a request a, a product or an analytical solution from the analysts mm -hmm. or the analytics professionals. Many times what I see is that because there's not a relationship or there's there's not the right level of trust or the right level of um, vulnerability between those organizations, the analytics or the data science group will go off and they will make, a, there'll be assumptions made based off of the information that they were given by the business and they'll develop a model to predict X. They'll deliver that model, they'll deliver that model back or that analytical solution and it won't necessarily meet what the business asked for. Mm -hmm. And I think that what I've seen is that in circumstances like that, it's because there's one, there's a lack of clarity in the request from the business. Mm -hmm. And then there's a and then there's a hesitancy from the analytics analytical teams to challenge the business on what they actually mean and understand the full context. And so by building that relationship where if you have the confidence and the trust in the analytics people have the confidence and trust within the business mm -hmm. to be able to question and challenge them and then vice versa, that team will understand what the true outcome is desired and they'll be able to go off and build that. Love it. Love it. So some of the areas or some of the things I heard you say, but some of the areas of the process where working with dozens of clients, I've seen it fall apart, is where the problem itself is not properly framed. And I think that's what you're talking about with the business problem never really being fully understood. So that framing process requires a certain amount of, you use the term vulnerability, which I thought was interesting uh, between both parties. Um, but the data science team sort of pushing back in a sense of saying like, well, let's talk about what you really need. 
Um, so that for sure is part of that process where I see for some, uh, some failure. And I'll give you an example in a second and make sure we're on the same page. The second part of the process where I see things um, sort of falling apart that I think you alluded to is in the delivery. And again, you're talking about, um, you, you mentioned trust. And with trust, not only is that front end that I mentioned uh, come into play, but also in the absorption of the results. Like if it's an ugly result and you don't want to see it, sometimes you just you just say like, oh, I don't trust the data scientists or they didn't do it right or they used the wrong data. But if there's this level of trust that like, dude, we wouldn't do that on purpose. <laughs> we're, we're trying to help you that um, maybe results will get more absorbed. You know, is that kind of what you're saying? Is that, is that especially, I mean, sure, throughout the process within the journey, but that front end, it sounded like you're saying it's sort of crucial to have those, those right conversations and then that back end to have those insights happen. I think you're you're getting it exactly right. <clears throat> so on the front end, the the thing that I've that I notice is that there's a hesitancy for analytics people or or when anyone asks if a business person asks anyone for to accomplish something, they they say yes. Mm. There there's there's a hesitancy to say no, to mm -hmm. say no that's impossible. It actually reminds me of a conversation I was on earlier today. And so one of the things that we do at Carpe Data is we we harvest all of this information online. Mm -hmm. And we use that to predict risk characteristics of things that are really interesting about businesses for insurance carriers. Mm -hmm. And I'll use a crazy one here. So one of those could be, does this bar have clowns that juggle flaming swords, mm -hmm. right? And so an insurance company, you can imagine, would want to understand that. And so the product team could, would ask our analysts, I need you guys to tell me how many, how many restaurants or how many bars have clowns with flaming swords. And the analytics team, the response is usually, we can do it. And, and they don't push back to understand what's the precision right. of, of, that, of that attribute that we need. What's the recall of that attribute that we need? And so when that is developed, they come back and they say, hey, the precision is, maybe the precision is 90% and the recall is 2%. Right, right. Um, something abysmal. And the business all of a sudden throws their arms up and they lose confidence that the analysts understand what they're doing. Mm. And maybe they should ask uh, something like, how are you going to actually use this? You know, like, tell me what you're really trying to solve. I've uh, There's a competitor that um, was telling us about one of their clients and their clients basically said, I need you to develop a regression model that predicts this. Like how, okay. So you're telling the data scientists what type of technique you're telling them what you want to predict. You're, you're not giving them the full, and this is definitely not all on the blame of the business side, by the way, but if you're not giving them a full picture and the data scientist doesn't say like, well, help me understand what you're actually trying to solve. Then you're saying like, it's hard for them to really get a good, answer until they truly understand what they're trying to solve. Is that right? Agreed. I think there's another there's another component still on the data on the analyst side. The so the analyst <clears throat> it would said, well if I ask them what they want, they're going to say 99% precision and 99% recall. Right. And the in the the behavior that I'm working to put into the organization is that if the business asks for something ridiculous, then give them a ridiculous solution. 
And the comment with this one was, okay, if you want 99% precision and 99% um, recall, then we need to deploy this person on our team to go to every single honky-tonk bar in the United States. And right. it's going to take us over a year. He, it's going to be very expensive, but we can solve this problem. Yeah, for let you. them know the trade-off, right? And, the, and that opens a dialogue to be able to to be a, to be able to, to allow the business to talk more about the context and the reason for the importance of of knowing if a business has clowns with flaming swords and because it's a fire hazard right and so knowing that it's a fire hazard and that's something that certain insurers don't want to insure although we may want to go hang although you know a lot of people would probably want to go hang out at that bar mm -hmm. um and the insurer wouldn't want to know that. And so there may be alternative solutions that the analytics team could then develop in order to solve that that business problem. Gotcha. Okay. And you mentioned a couple of these, but what are some of the um, issues that can arise when uh, with business partnerships? One, I think that you already mentioned was you you said that the business makes a request to the data science team or the analytics professionals. And that, to me, speaks reactive. So that's screaming um, order taker. It sounds like that's one of the things that can slip in if you don't have a great partnership, that the data science team sort of becomes order takers to the business. And there could be some, um, some differences of opinion, but let's unpack, uh, let's unpack that issue since you mentioned that one first. Like, what is, what is wrong with that, if anything, with the data science being, team being somewhat of an order taker? Because it sounds like they won't be able to do all the things that you're talking about and understanding the question better if they are just an order taker? I think it depends on the organization. Mm -hmm. But if if you if you think about, and maybe this will be a little controversial for this it might be. for this talk. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But if you think about it, if you if if you are a data scientist and you want to drive product, then you should be a data scientist and a product manager. If you're a data scientist and you want to be the CEO or you want to be accountable for the business decisions, then you should do that. And, and there are plenty of very successful um, data scientists that go on to be extremely successful product managers. Um, there's plenty of data scientists that are CEOs of their own company. Mm -hmm. In a larger co corporation, if your role is to help people and businesses make better decisions based on data mm -hmm. and you understand who your customer is and your customer is the business, then it's not, that you, you know, you could look at it as an order taker, but really it's a, you're trying to create a, a relationship, a customer and performer relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, if you are, if you're, if you work for McDonald's, you're a, an order taker. And if you want to, be that kind of data scientist where you they they are explicit or the business prescribes the type of analytical work to do right build mm -hmm. me a logistic regression model that does da 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 right that's one thing if you want to be the kind of data scientist that is to go with my restaurant example working at a high end sushi place where the business comes in and describes the type of work or the business problem that needs to be solved, mm -hmm. then that's a different type of that's a different type of um, thing, all the way up until if the business now leaves you to be autonomous to make to make decisions and and gives you more of a broader overview of what the business problems a customer is having. So I think when you, you when we use the term order taker, mm -hmm. 
that may be that has somewhat of a derogatory um, sure. connotation. Sure. I would say that there are probably four, at least four levels of data scientists. There's data scientists that need their work prescribed to them. Mm-hmm. And maybe that would be an order taker. Mm-hmm. There's data scientists that need the work, the business problem described to them. And so that's a little bit of a higher level. Maybe that's the Lone Star Steakhouse. Right, right. Um, if they're still around. Um data scientist. Then there's the um, then there's the autonomous data scientist where the business could summon, come and say, I have all of these different business problems. Help me understand what I want. And that would be the, you go into your favorite restaurant and you say, I want the chef's menu. You have no idea what's on it. You just trust that they're going to right, do it. Right. Each one of those people are technically an data order science. taker. Oh, okay. But but the level at which they're they're engaging with the business is different. I see. So becoming an advisor, you're still somewhat of a of an order taker in that you're still you still have a customer, you're still trying to provide for them, but you're doing so maybe in an advisory capacity. And we're all order takers. Oh, sure. Even the business is order taker. Mm-hmm. The CEO is an order taker from the from the board of directors. Uh, yes. So we we're all order like it's not just data scientists. Right, right, we're right. All absolutely, absolutely. So that there's that one issue that um, it could or could not be an issue depending on the company, and that you become somewhat reactive, and that if you're if there's a um, a lack of partnership, maybe you just feel like, oh, I need to go do what the thing they asked me to do, even though it's not solving the problem. The second one that you mentioned was um, unsure questions. Those are certainly one of the issues that could come up. Um, is that you end up with unsure questions. And the third thing that you mentioned, you sort of danced around it a little bit, but that maybe the uh, results won't get absorbed into the business or implemented. Are there other types of issues that can result from not having a good partnership? Yeah, maybe just to touch real quick on that on that third one. Yeah. So <clears throat> probably everybody that's listening has done this exercise. And if they haven't, at some point they're going to. You're in a group of people You get a bunch of, and I'm ruining it for the whole world at this point, but you get a bunch of pieces of spaghetti Mm -hmm. and some marshmallows. Are you hungry today, Greg? Because you're using a lot of food examples. (laughs) I'm hungry every day. Okay, cool. I'm vegan, so I'm right there with you. Okay. So you get a bunch of spaghetti, pieces of spaghetti Mm -hmm. and marshmallows. And the objective, and everybody's broken into a group, and the objective is that you want to build the tallest tower within within 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And so the tables scramble and everybody starts to jam stuff into the marshmallows and make these and make these these towers. And the objective is is of course to make the largest tower. But what people fail to do usually, no one's going to do this anymore. So for all the organizational development people out there, I'm really sorry. But what people fail to do is they fail to look around and see how tall is someone else's tower. Mm -hmm. Um, They fail to let go of their tower to see, is this thing going to be stable? Mm -hmm. And so I think similarly, when 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 it's not clear about what the business is asking, the instead of getting clarification and having the confidence in themselves, I see a lot of data scientists just say, okay, I'll go and I'll go and build this tower and they just go and build and build and build. And they don't have kind of a regular cadence where they're connecting with the business to make sure. Now, that's not always the data scientist's fault. Mm-hmm. It's a, I think that it's fundamentally the, that, that lack of, um, you know, intimate business relationship, not in a weird way, but intimate business relationship where 
the data scientists and the businesses trust that each other have the best in mind. Gotcha. Gotcha. Very good. Well, we talked about a lot of great nuggets. So what would you say is your final piece of advice for an analytics professional trying to form effective business and analytics partnerships? So I have a saying that I like to say, and it's called freedom through discipline. Mm -hmm. And I think that the business and the analytics teams need to develop a disciplined engagement model of how they're going to work together. And it sounds a little bit corny and it's super bumpy when you first start it. Sure. But once you get into the rhythm and once you start to forget about the actual framework and just start to behave in that manner, mm -hmm. I have seen where the relationships really blossom and the business, the business teams learn a lot more about the analytics, even to the point where they want to learn how to code. That's a you know, extreme you, example. You may here, or Greg. may not want to do that. <laughs> right. Um, but that's also how on the data science side, you, that's where I see data scientists moving into being product managers, ah, gotcha. moving into into the business. OK. And so I'd say that a disciplined a disciplined framework of how you're going to engage with each other right. will give you the freedom to be have a successful partnership. OK, so establish that early on during the intake process that, you know, here's how we're going to work together as opposed to just trying to jump in and do the work. Right. Gotcha. Great advice. Thanks again to Greg Jones uh, from Carpe Data for talking to us about forming effective business analytics partnerships. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Tag Data Talk, sponsored by Emory Continuing Education. I'm Dr. Beverly Wright. Have a great data set.